Well, good evening, church. Hey, we're going to get into the message in just a minute, but during the worship set, I just had such a sense as God was speaking to my heart about this picture. If, if, if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, you, you probably saw this in my, in my feed this week, and the story that I was telling is, is Raj, which is uh, Pastor Justin, our campus pastor in Suffolk, uh, his little boy, how old is Raj? He's He's two, just a little fella. And uh, he wandered into my office. He, Juice was here on Thursday and had Raj with him. And, and uh, he would kind of wander in and we'd make eye contact. He would run back out. And, and, uh, and then he was, he was working his way closer, right? So he'd, he'd come a little bit closer because the, the door to my office is, is, is made like from here to that curtain. And so you know, he would come, he'd go a certain distance, he would run back. And finally he got in there, he was comfortable enough to, to uh, not run away. And he just began exploring all over the office, right? And so at some point I know Juice is coming, right? Where is Raj? And, uh, and so Juice wanders in and sees Raj and he's looking at all the stuff that I have in my office and Juice sits down and then Raj disappears out of the office and he, he comes back in with this knobby little toy. And, and the last time he was in the office a couple of weeks ago, we were playing together with this toy out of all the toys that he had. It's like he remembered, right? This is the toy that, uh, that Pastor Fred likes to play with. And so, so he, he, he brings it in and, and he, w- he would put it in my hand. And, uh, and, and then, and, but I knew from playing with him before that, that if, if he just puts it in your hand, you're just supposed to hold it there because he does not want you to keep it. He's going to come back and take it, right? And so he would put it in my hand and he would want me to look at it. I could pick it up and do things with it. It's like he's watching me to make sure, right? And I would put it back in my hand and he would take it. And, uh, and, and, so, and that's all that we've ever done, playing together. And, and, and then at some point, as we were playing, he kept doing it over and over. He, with his little fingers, he reached up and he, and he pushed my fingers up like this. And, and I saw Juice's eyes got all big. He's like, wow, wow, that means that he wants you to keep it. He, he doesn't want it back. And I was like, wow, right? I was melting my, my heart. And so then he goes out and he gets the ball, right? And then he brings that back and he puts that in my hand, does the same thing right away. Just, just wraps up my, my fingers. And so there they sit on my, on my desk in my, in my office, these, these little gifts from Raj. And, and as we were worshiping, I saw that so clearly that for some of you, that's how you do church, is that you come in week in and week out, whether it's here, if you're visiting, you're somewhere else, and for some of you, you've done it for a lifetime. You hold on to his grace, but you don't keep it. You hold on to his calling over your life, but you don't keep it. You, you hold on to his conviction, come on, for things that you know that you're doing in your life that you're not supposed to, you hold on to it, but you don't keep it. And, 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 my, and my sense was that tonight there were some people here and what you need to do is you need to take these things that God's been putting into your hands for years now. Again, I think for some of you, it's been a lifetime. For, for somebody here, I had such a sense that for you, you you're really weighing the, the course of the direction of your future. Are you going to be all in with Jesus? Or are you just going to have one foot in the world and, and, and one foot in with him? And, 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 and God's saying to you, come on, you've got to close your fingers. You've got to keep this calling on your life to a life of full devotion to Christ. Father, I pray for whoever that's for tonight. For whoever, and, and they know who they are because they feel it right now in their heart. And, and they just, they, they walk into church open-handed. They're not close-fisted. They're open to what you want to speak to them but they leave it here on the way out. I pray that tonight would be the night that they would close their hand and they would take with them whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish in their life 
such a sense that even now as we pray that some of you in here, you're saying, I, I wish that word was for me. And what he's saying is, it is. It is for you. It's not just for somebody else. It's for you. That as you look around the room and you think, I, I wish I could experience God this way. I wish I could experience God that way. He's saying to you, you, you can experience me just like that. We pray, Father, for every person here. For an open heart and an open hand and closed fingers. To take home tonight whatever it is that you want to do in their life. Come on, in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Come on, how about a shout out to Kim Walls. It's her birthday today. Come on. Where is Kim? Is Kim in here? There's Kim, there she is right over there on the side. And uh, her and Steve have been trustees here at the church for many years. They've been a part of the church back since we were in the movie theater, right? A long time that they've been serving and been faithful leaders here. And so happy birthday to, to Kim Wall. So praying for our southern states. I know as many of you are, we just want to keep them right in our, in our thoughts and, and in our prayers. And as that tropical storm begins to continue to, to move around, our good fortune has been the, become the hardship of others. And, uh, and so I just want to make sure that, uh, that you, just finding time in every, every day, just find just a few minutes to offer up your prayers. Next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing Discover City Life. So if you were here last week with us, we had what was called a welcome weekend. We do those all throughout the year. If you weren't here, you can get that uh, through the website. You can listen to that message that's specifically designed to really talk about who we are as a church. And, uh, and so next week, for the next two weeks during the sermon time, uh, you can go with Vanessa uh, to learn more about what it means to be a part of this church. Then I'm going to be leading a life group that you can actually sign up. Uh, you can come, if you want to just come for a cookie, that's okay. I feel feel you. Um, I'm going to eat a few of those while I'm down there myself. And so, but if you are interested in a life group, we hope you come over to the table as well. And, uh, and one of them is a uh, four-week on Tuesday night. It'll start the last Tuesday uh, in September and then go through the first three Tuesdays. That'll be right here on site. Child care is included. Uh, and then you can learn more about. So you can do that. And the one on Saturday, you can do both, one or the other. Uh, but that's, that's your choice there. We want to make those available to you. So this is our last, come on, we're in the next to last week of this Open Heaven series that we've been in throughout the summer. This has been a good series for our church. It's challenged me just in, in my own study uh, and then just the stories that are coming in as people are experiencing God's presence in their life, not just here on the weekend during the service, but even at home. And, uh, and so this uh, tonight we're going to be doing Open Heaven. We're going to be talking about Pentecost, uh, what happens in Acts chapter 1 and 2, and this is part 1 of 2. Uh, so what we don't get to tonight will carry over into next week and then what next week specifically is, uh, is going to be uh, about as well. So And then I'm excited too about this next. We're going to start uh, a, a new series in October called In the Crowd. And uh, when I was over at the Suffolk campus uh, just a few weeks ago sharing, that was the message that I felt like God gave me for them. And then on the way home uh, from that service, I really felt like God spoke to me and said that message needs to become a series uh, for, uh, for, for Newport News. And so I'm excited as that series unfolds. And again, that's going to start us in October. And then I'm not sure how long that's going to carry us. And, uh, but we're going to ride that wave as long as uh, God leads. And so, all right, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. There's a slide that's going to come up here. 
I want to read these verses to you, and this just kind of lays the the framework. I want to start here, because we understand the Bible in light of itself. And so if we're going to look at Acts 1 and 2, right, there's some incredibly supernatural things that happen. And if we're not careful, they're like shiny objects to us. And, And we get enamored by the supernatural things that are happening, and sometimes we can forget about the purposefulness behind those supernatural activities. And I I feel like the best place to really understand the purposefulness of what happens in Acts 1 and 2 is really connected to 1 Corinthians 16. It says, the greeting is in my own hand. This is the Apostle Paul, right? If anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. And that's the Greek word anathema, which means doomed for destruction. So the Greek there, it translates to curse, but that word anathema would be the same word that's used to refer to an offering in Judaism that someone brings the the prescribed offering. They bring it with them to the temple. That offering has been set aside for destruction, for the remission of sin. It's the same word. It means that if people reject the message of Christ, right, they're doomed for destruction. And then Paul drops this word right here. He just drops it in, Maranatha. And then he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus, amen. Now, this word Maranatha is dropped here because he's saying you don't have to be destined for destruction because that's why Jesus came. And this word Maranatha, depending on how you spell it, it's really two words together. And most of our translations just lump it together because that's how we recognize it. Right? If you're from the 70s and 80s, you remember, right? Maranatha, they were the hill song of our day. Come on, Maranatha music. Jesus, thank you for delivering us. <laughs> if you spell it, M-A-R-A-N-A hyphen T-H-A, then that word means our Lord comes, meaning he's coming again, which you know he is. But if you move the A to the second word and spell it M-A-R-A-N dash A-T-H-A, it means our Lord has come, which means that that's who Jesus was, and he came to die for the sins of the world. And in the manuscripts that we have, there's no hyphen. Paul just lumps them together, but it's like a run-on because it's not really an actual word. It's two words that are put together, and depending on how you read it depends on the message, but I don't believe that that's how we're supposed to see it because we believe that the Holy Spirit inspires what was written, and I think the Holy Spirit inspired Paul as he was dictating this letter and at this point he's writing in his own hand to take that hyphen on out of there because Maranatha is supposed to give us two messages in one word that Jesus has come and that he's coming again. And this is the message that has been entrusted to the church from the beginning, even back to 2,000 years ago, that we are supposed to have a message to the world that Jesus has come for the forgiveness of sin and that he's coming again. And we have the hope of eternity, which is why the message of this church is heaven now, heaven forever. That Jesus' death isn't just for the forgiveness of sin, for the heaven that is to come. There's forgiveness of sin for the restoration of relationship with God, for the restoration of relationship with his people, and for the restoration of relationship with our destiny here on this earth. He has come, and he's coming again. 
I think you've got to lock in on that word and that understanding and the responsibility we have to bring that message to the world as you enter into Acts 1 and Acts 2 because everything that God does in Acts 1 and Acts 2 is about this message, about it going forth with power and about it being understood with revelation. We've been building this definition of open heaven throughout this whole series. And so I'm going to add two more aspects to this definition tonight. The first one is this. An open heaven is when the Holy Spirit empowers activity for the church to bring a Maranatha message. An open heaven is when the Holy Spirit empowers activity for the church to bring a Maranatha message. Meaning that this idea that Jesus has come and he's coming in isn't just supposed to be informational, it's supposed to be transformational. That he doesn't want us to just leave with a doctrine and a belief, he wants us to leave with a belief that begins to change the way that we live. And that can only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. The second part of that is an open heaven is when the Holy Spirit enables revelation for people to have a Maranatha moment. See, when you read in Acts 1 and 2, you read, right, we know through the promise itself, Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So we understand the events through the promise. So we know that everything in Acts 2 is about the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus gave that power is going to come. And so what the disciples experienced in Acts chapter 2 was the empowerment to then go out and bring a message to the world. And then as that message was being brought, the Holy Spirit is working from the other end on the hearts of the people that are hearing. See, there's a Maranatha message, but then that Maranatha message is supposed to bring about a Maranatha moment where there is a, revel a supernatural revelation in people's hearts and minds. One is their need for a Savior and that Jesus is him. That he's the one. And for us today as a church, we want to live our lives with a belief that nothing has changed in 2,000 years. That this is still the mandate that's been given to the church to bring to the world a Maranatha message and trust and believe that the Holy Spirit is going to empower us to bring it in such a way that it will be effectual and fruitful beyond our natural abilities. And that those that hear it, that the Holy Spirit is working on their hearts so that they can understand. So we like a little participation here at the City Life Church. All right, we like a lot of participation here at the City Life Church, right? Come on, who are we kidding? So when I say the word Pentecostal, right, some of you already cringed, right? When I say the word Pentecostal, what comes to mind? It can be negative or positive. It's okay if it's a negative thing. What, you raise your hand and I'll point to you. When I say the word Pentecostal, what comes to mind? Snakes, yes. Why? Okay, go ahead and bring them out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Somebody else. When you hear the word Pentecostal, right? What, do you, what, do you, what comes to mind? Spiritual gifts. Yeah, the, yeah, spiritual gifts. Demonstration of spiritual gifts. Somebody else. Shouting. Shouting. Thank you. <laughs> share. Share with the room, right? I know. I saw Monica in the hallway. I was like, I know where Monica's worshiping when she's here, right? Because like Monica is sitting back to the right, right? Come on, we, we like to make some noise here. Vanity cloths. Vanity cloths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going oh, to talk a little bit about that tonight. Come on. Somebody else. You don't even know what that is. You, now, see, now you got to wait and see. Dale? The power. Yes. Somebody else. Life. Tongues. Yes. Yeah. Spiritual language. That's next week. Celeste? Flags. Yeah. Come on. Banners, baby. Woo. God help us. All the way over the side. An extra long service. Come on. Do we have any giveaways we could give to that lady tonight, right? 
Extra long service. Somebody else. When you, when you hear the word Pentecostal, what comes to mind? Everybody thinks of something. What about the teenagers? Anybody got anything over here? No? They're like, don't look at the pastor in the eye. Somebody else. One more. You hear the word Pentecostal. What comes to mind? Your grandma. Come on. That's good. Yeah, your grandma. This word has so much that's carried with it through 2,000 years of history. Some of it is good, and some of it isn't. For some of you, when you hear the word Pentecostal, you say, that's just the kind of church I'm looking for. And then some of you, as soon as I talked about Pentecost, you're thinking, great, I finally got my coworker to come to church, and we're preaching out of action, right? It's right up there with tithing. Please don't preach on giving, and please, please don't preach, right, on, on, on Pentecost. Be, because people have preconceived notions about what it is, and oftentimes those preconceived notions are really what it's not. And, and one of the things that I would say to you is, Make sure that you draw a distinction between Pentecostal beliefs and personalities of people that practice them. Because the personality of the person is not necessarily the belief that's being demonstrated. And so for, if you're here and when you hear the word Pentecost, you, you cringe a little bit because you're, you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to be weird, I don't want to be strange, and I don't want to be odd. We don't want you to be weird and strange and odd either. Right? And, unless that's just the uniqueness of your personality, then God made you that way. There's nothing wrong with that. Right? Everybody's a little bit eccentric. But our personality can't be what defines Pentecostalism. It cannot. Jesus, when I read about his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's nothing about the story of his life in all the years that I've been reading about it, right, since I was a child, have I ever left a story and thought to myself, he's weird, or he's odd, or he's strange. If anything, right, when we read about the life of Jesus, something inside of us is drawn to said, I need to be more like him. And can I just say to you that he is the most Pentecostal person that has ever walked upon this earth. By the very, by the very virtue of the, of, of the belief that we need to become like him, there is Pentecostalism that is embedded in that statement. And for some of you, I would say, shed some of the biases that you have and be open to the fullness of what scripture speaks of. See, because when we use the word Pentecostal here at City Life, one of the things that we're saying is that we still need the Holy Spirit to empower activity for us to bring a Maranatha message. We still need the Holy Spirit's activity to empower us to bring a Maranatha message. It means that we still need the Holy Spirit to enable revelation for people to have a Maranatha moment. We need the, 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 the power of God working at both ends, empowering the message and enabling revelation. And we still believe that faith-inspiring supernatural activity is for all Christians and did not cease with the apostles. So let's look a little bit about some examples of supernatural activity in Scripture. 
Because so many times when we talk about Pentecostal beliefs, we, we hone right in on Acts 1 and 2, and that's where we're going to go tonight because that's where it started. But as you read throughout Scripture, especially the Gospels, you will find that supernatural activity actually precedes Pentecost. How about John 18, 4 through 6? There's a list that's going to pop up on the screen, and for the sake of time, we're only going to cover some of them tonight. But this is where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane when they come to arrest him. And it says, Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? He asked. Jesus the Nazarene. They replied, I am he, Jesus said. And Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with him. And as Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. That's the power of God. There are times when the power of God comes upon us in such a powerful way that it just, it overwhelms our physical capacities. And the only thing that we can do is lie down. For some people, they fall. That's where Hannah was talking about the vanity cloth, right? And if you're in a real Pentecostal church, there's gonna be blankets under all the front pews, right? That's expectation. You've seen the funny videos, I've seen them too, where you see stuff and you go, that's not real, and I say the same thing. But just because it's not real for some doesn't mean it's not real for anybody. Acts 10, 44 to 46. I'm just referencing this one. These notes are all online all the time. You can get them during the week if I'm moving faster than you're taking notes. But Acts 10, 44 to 46 just talks about supernatural things happening when there's preaching and when there's praise. 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 6, that's 2nd, not 1st, 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 6 is the incredible story of Paul having a vision. It was so pronounced that he wasn't even sure whether or not he was still in his body. You should read that. It's an incredible story. Supernatural activity. Acts 8, 39 to 40, right? There's supernatural activity before and after Pentecost. This is one of my favorites, so I've got to read this one. Acts 8, 38 to 40, this is one of my lifetime prayers right here. It says, he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him, right? This is the, if you've been around church for a long time, you know the story of Philip baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. He disappeared. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. He had a story to tell, right? Verse 40, meanwhile, you love that word, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus, hundreds of miles away, right? All of a sudden, this town, he's just, boom, he just appears. And he begins to preach the good news, right? This is one of my, I, this is one of my lifetime prayers. God, just one time. We don't even have to tell anybody it happened. If it just needs to be a secret, just one time. Someone to be praying and open my eyes and be somewhere else. Just one time, Lord. This is crazy stuff. Supernatural. There's Acts 13, 8 through 12. We're not going to read this one, just prophetic power. It's the story of Elymas, the sorcerer who is frustrating Paul. Don't frustrate people when they're preaching, right? It's dangerous. Paul just calls a curse down on him, and he, he becomes blind right there in a moment. Like, wow. You're like, I didn't know that stuff was in the Bible. I know, you should read it. 1 Corinthians 12, right? It's 1 Corinthians 12, where, so not second, but now first. 4 through 8 talks about these manifestational gifts and one of them is words of knowledge or, or, or special knowledge. 
There's, there's times in our lives where God wants to speak to us things. Sometimes we know the person that it's connected to, but sometimes we don't. Like earlier tonight, just is, is, before we got into the sermon, that's an example of that. That God s- speaks to us about something that somebody needs to hear. There's an expectation that he wants to use us. Acts 2.4 talks specifically about spiritual language. We're going to get into all of that next week. So much of that is misunderstood. Then there's John 16, 12 through 13. John 16, 12 through 13. This is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit and his work in the world. There is so much more that I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. Come on, this is Maranatha right here. He will tell you what he he has heard, and he will tell you about the future. See, the work of the Holy Spirit ultimately is about Maranatha. It's to bring conviction to the world that Jesus has come, and to make sure that we never forget that he's coming again. His work in this world is to empower the message of the church and to bring revelation to the heart of the person. Now, does he do more than that? Yes, he does. But this is the central purpose of his presence in this world. It's Maranatha. Pentecost, Acts 1, 1 through 15. Now, I'm not going to read all of that, but that's the textual reference for you. Let me just give you a recap of how the church got here. Jesus was crucified during the the Jewish feast of Passover. The feast of Pentecost was an actual feast on the Jewish calendar. And it occurred 50 days. That's why it's Penta. Penta means 50. It's 50 days after Passover. And the feast of Pentecost was celebrated for a couple of different reasons. One was, was about the first harvest of that season. And it was also about celebrating the giving of the law. 50 days between Passover and Pentecost. Now we know, as we've talked already about in this series, that Jesus appeared to people after he rose from the dead for 40 days, and then on that 40th day he ascended into heaven. So that tells us that the Feast of Pentecost, which is where the Holy Spirit is poured out, which is the fulfillment of Acts 1-8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that there's a 10-day gap between his ascension and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, we, we, again, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And during those 10 days, right, there were over 500 people at the ascension, but there's only 120 left 10 days later. Because we have a tendency to be a little impatient. We want God's promises fulfilled today. But those who lingered and those who waited, oh, what they experienced on that day. 10 days of waiting in the upper room, praying, going to the temple, worshiping together. They knew that if Jesus was going to make such a bold promise that something was going to happen, and it did. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages 
as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. This is an important distinction. It doesn't say the disciples were speaking in those languages. It says they were heard in those languages. That's important to understand. We're going to get into that next week. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed, these people are from Galilee, which means they're uneducated. That's what it means. So working class neighborhood, fishermen, blue blue collar, if you want to call it that. People from Galilee did not have a reputation for education. So they're saying, these people are from Galilee, how is it that we're hearing all of these languages at once? It says, here we are, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and people from Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. Can we just agree right here? This is one of the most poignant texts in Scripture for our country today. It is the story of the wonderful things that God has done that is supposed to bring us together. People from all different ethnic backgrounds. People from different socioeconomic classes. All different ages. This text right here, even though there is diversity, there should be harmony. And that harmony should come through the testimony of the wonderful things that God has done. If you're like me, sometimes you might feel overwhelmed by what's happening in our, in our nation and the divisiveness that's taking place. If you don't know of anything else to do, can we just say, let's do this. Let's just talk about the incredible things that God has done in our lives. And I'm telling you, just that alone is going to make a contribution to a restoration of harmony in this great country. It says, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they ask? Right? There's always someone in the crowd. Oh, they're just drunk. Right? Now, I don't have a whole lot of experience with intoxication. Right? Okay, maybe a little. Why? Who's laughing over there? I haven't always been a follower of Christ. But can I just tell you, there's nothing about being inebriated that gives clarity to my speech. Is it just me? Has anybody in here ever been intoxicated? Don't raise your hand. Right? And you're like, wow, I drink those three bottles of wine and I feel like I could just speak in about four different languages and everybody could hear. There's some funny stuff in the Bible. There is supernatural activity that accompanies the Maranatha message because God wants to get people's attention. And so many times, people want to explain it away, listen, because they don't want it to be real, because they know if it's real, then they've got to give it the attention of their own life. And when you begin to give God attention with your own life, you know that there is change that's coming. Maybe you're here tonight and You want to explain away a lot of the things that you see and experience, and maybe that's because it's not as though you're willing to hold something in your hand. It's because you come in closed-fisted, and what I would say to you, hold it 
before you expect yourself to take it and just see what it feels like in your hand. Be in his presence, ponder his forgiveness, consider the reality that he has a purpose for your life that's both temporal and eternal. There are still supernatural activities that God wants to bring that's going to accompany the Maranatha message because it is the supernatural activity that is oftentimes the transition from the the Maranatha message to the Maranatha moment. There is empowerment that happens to those who are doing it, but then oftentimes God drops some supernatural activity to add to that, and all of that is to build, to gather the attention of the listener, and then also bring them in to the presence of God so that they can begin to experience the revelation that the only that the Spirit of God can bring. It's not an accident that God chooses language here in Acts 2 because that's how the world got divided to begin with in Genesis 11. There are all kinds of what we call bookend moments in Scripture. And one of the bookend moments in Scripture is Genesis 11 and Acts 2. Genesis 11 is the story of the Tower of Babel. That's why we have that picture up there tonight. Where God makes an incredible proclamation over the world. A godless world. He says of a godless world, there's nothing that they won't be able to accomplish if they do it together. Can you? That's what he said about a godless world. So when he comes and he, and he separates them and confuses them and, and, and they leave all speaking different languages supernaturally in a moment, it wasn't because God was jealous. It wasn't because he was fearful. It wasn't because he was envious. He was protecting them from their own plans because he didn't want them to accomplish the plans in their heart. He wanted them to get a vision for the plans that he would put in their heart. So he divides the world through language in Genesis 11, but he brings it back together through the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. But this time it's not about earthly language, it's about supernatural language. It's a bookend moment. Because the church has the message that can harmonize the world, not just save it. He doesn't just want people to go to heaven. He doesn't just want that. He wants that, but that's not all he wants. He wants the world in the midst of its diversity to find harmony. And is the church that is supposed to lead the way. He unifies now in the same way he divided then. And you might say, well, Fred, as you read that list, I'm thinking to myself that why, doesn't, why don't those things happen today? And this is what I would say to you. Be careful to not let your disappointment regarding what you perceive God isn't doing overshadow what you should see God is doing. Be careful to not let your disappointment regarding what you perceive God isn't doing overshadow what you should see God is doing. Because God is doing supernatural things in our midst all the time. And it could be like what Vanessa was sharing in her wrap-up, that it's just become so normalized for you, you, you forget how supernatural that it is. Let's just talk about our worship experience week in and week out. Can we just talk about that for a minute? It's, it's incredible. And sometimes it's incredible just because it's excellent. It is. I think it was the second song, there was a bass line in there. Was that Donald? 
I was like, wow, that's good. Brad and those fills on the drums, those harmonies that so many, so many times, I'm not, I'm during the worship set, I'm leaning, but did, did you, that sounds good. Just enamored by the excellence of the moment. Sometimes I'm distracted by my own warped sense of humor. <laughs> like tonight. These are the moments where Vanessa says, please God, let him move on to something else in his notes, right? Like tonight, we sang the millennial anthem. The millennial's anthem. There's a place in my father's house for me. Oh, see? I don't know. Come on. You're going to get there. Come on. That's good stuff. It's not even in my notes. I'm just making that up as I go along. You're never going to hear that song ever the same again, right? I'm glad all the college students aren't back yet, right? They, they haven't come home. Oh, hope they don't listen to the podcast. They're going to be offended. But there are times in the worship set where it's not about excellence. It's just about the power of God. And if you haven't experienced that, then what I would say to you, you keep coming until you do. Or wherever it is, the church that you call home. There should be moments in the worship where all of a sudden verses of Scripture just come to mind out of nowhere. There should be times when you're, when you're worshiping that, that stories in the Bible just all of a sudden, you're not even thinking about them, and all of a sudden they're there. Things that have happened to you during the week, just like it was for me. I was just worshiping, and all of a sudden I just saw those toys on the table, and I knew this is the Holy Spirit speaking to me about something for somebody in this room. There are supernatural things that are happening week in and week out. I hope you enter into every worship set with an expectation that you're going to be awed by excellence, but at some point you're going to be drawn in by the power of God. And he wants to speak to you about your life and maybe speak to you about the lives of others. How about there's times when people are praying in our services week in and, and week out and, and there's just such a meaningfulness to those prayers. There's an authenticity and a, and a, and a sincerity in the, in, in the prayer and, 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 then, and, then, and then there's moments that should come where, where you, you're, you're drawn in by the power of that prayer that begins to inspire faith in your heart maybe for something else that's not even being prayed about. There should be times when people are praying in our service where you should be so affected by the power of God in that prayer that you're, you just feel your heart begin to overwhelm with hope and joy. It's the power of God. It's supernatural. There should be times when exhortations are so timely there's so many unscripted parts in our service, like when the worship leader is exhorting. Sometimes it's something that maybe God spoke to them during the week, but so many times it's just in the moment. Our worship wrap-ups, communion, so much of our baby dedications, we, we leave them unscripted because we have an expectation that there is supernatural activity that, that the Holy Spirit wants to insert spontaneously into the moment. Is everything spontaneous? No. But we want to make room for the spontaneous because we believe that we have a Maranatha message that's supposed to go forward to the world that Jesus has come and that he's coming again and that he wants to endue that message with power and he wants to accompany it by supernatural activity so there can be a Maranatha moment. I hope that there's times throughout your months here that you feel like he said that or she said that just for me. There should be times when you leave here 
and you're convinced that your friend betrayed your confidence and told me something about your life. I'm mad at you for what you, I didn't tell, I don't believe it, right? Because God wants to speak to your heart. There should be times during the teaching and the preaching, no matter who's up here, no matter who's up here, that it's not just informative, but it's transformational. Information matters. It's important. We talk about that. It's a teaching pulpit here. We cover a lot of textual ground. We want to be a biblically literate church. There's a reason for that. Knowledge leads to understanding. Understanding leads to wisdom. But there's got to be more than that. There should be moments where you're drawn into the power of God. And you feel even as you hear the scripture taught and read that something is changing and transforming in your heart. The Maranatha message, empowered activities, Maranatha moments. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. We teach a message like this every year. We cover different parts of the story. We, we, we approach it in, in, in different ways. But we do it every year. Because too many people are walking around in churches today believing that those supernatural things and all the conversation that we've had together tonight believe that it ended with the first century. And we want to be a church that says respectfully, it didn't. It could be that you're here and you think, well, we, we don't believe it ended with the first century, but it's really only for certain people. And we want to be a church that gives you an appetite to believe that it's for you. And this last one, this is the most important one for me is that we teach a message like this every year because I know that there are people in here week in and week out and you feel like you missed your opportunity. Meaning that you think back to a time in your life where you were in a service maybe like this and you felt like well, God was speaking to your heart and maybe that as I was talking about that idea of holding in your hand versus closing your fingers that, that you think back to a time a long ago where you thought to yourself, I, I knew I was supposed to take it with me and I didn't and now you feel like you missed your opportunity. Can I just tell you that God is a God of second chances? He's a God of, God, he's a God of second chances. And no matter how many times you've been in a service like this and felt that God was moving on your heart and speaking to you. Maybe it was to believe something you never believed before or to embrace something you never embraced before or to change something you've never been willing to change before. And you've always said, no, can I just tell you, God is going to keep bringing you back to moments like this time and time again. Stand with me as we worship. Father, I pray for every person that's in this room tonight that whatever revelation you're trying to enable, we say, God, in Jesus' name, open up their mind. In Jesus' name, open up their heart. In Jesus' name, just begin to tear down whatever stands between you and them. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would deliver people from shame, from regret, from the lie of not being good enough, from the deception that my best years are behind me oh God I pray in the name of Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would get, begin to give them a revelation of a tomorrow and a future that they're going to see your goodness and walk in your glory like they never have before 
in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship together.